0: So any brand that is looking for advice on how to tackle the next civil rights movement or social justice movement, honestly should follow
1: Ben & Jerry's. They have done, I am not even joking, the most outstanding job at calling out like anti-black racism, not calling it out, but calling as in like taking a stand for it. And being like, this is what we are doing. This is what, like, the world needs to do. This is how to, like, dismantle the patriarchy and racism all in one go as you eat your ice cream from us. That's literally what they've done. The
0: best part, I think, was it you? You sent it to me, right?
1: Yeah. The
0: best part was reading this, like, actual essay on their website about the history behind anti-Black racism and then also, like, what needs to be done Yeah. At the literal like government level to ensure that we dismantle it in the system. The next day, reading online that the two owners of the company were arrested at the protest. Yes.
1: Like that is the, like the the level has been set, like the standard has been set for how brands should be responding to what's going on in the world right now.
0: Hi friends, my name is Nadine and my name is Thadini and welcome to You Know What I Mean. So in past episodes, I know we've talked about um, like social justice within the context of social media but I think what was really interesting being in, being in this point of this movement is seeing how brands react. Mm-hmm. And to me, it kind of signaled like uh, a, a bunch of different things that I know we're going to eventually get to in, in this episode. But number one is this idea of like just a very bland response. And mm-hmm. what it actually means to be in support of something. I found that a lot of brands were just putting up – it was almost like it became a meme in itself, for lack of a better word, how brands were just putting up this like very template version of a statement, throwing it up on Instagram, and then not having anything to follow up with that. Yeah. So a perfect example was Starbucks. Starbucks Mm -hmm. literally just posted being like, we stand against anti-Black racism. Like something very, very general.
1: It was very, like a very generic, like, we don't like racism. Okay, now back (laughs) to regularly scheduled programming. Thanks Mm -hmm. for listening. Yeah, but your regularly scheduled
0: programming, including employees from a Starbucks store calling the cops on two Black men.
1: Yeah, no, regularly scheduled programming as in we actually don't want to internally look at the systemic racism that we continue to uphold in our company.
0: Exactly. And like I found that was I've actually found that with ninety-five percent of the brands that I was following in that they were very quick to to be like, Yes, no, we don't we absolutely don't stand with this, but gave no context as to what they're actually going to be doing mm-hmm. or the part that they're going to play against, against the issue, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It just, it was like, it was really hard to follow and just be like, okay, yes. Like, thank you so much. You made a statement because you still want to be relevant online, yeah. but you won't tell me what you're going
1: to do next. And then, and then it's to your point, like business as usual. Well, yeah. Cause I think, I think the biggest problem that I had when brands initially reacted, was it was all just like not really well thought out, not super meaningful, just like you had thrown up a, excuse me, a statement being like, we don't support racism, the end. But I think as time went on, people started calling you out, not just for a lack of response, but Mm -hmm. for a lack of a tangible action-oriented response. Yeah. So I think at the beginning, like so many brands, like Starbucks is one of them. Um, honestly, I can't even remember because I, I think it was like everybody's first response was to either not answer, yeah, or it was to answer and be like, "We don't condone racism. We are we stand in solidarity." Period. Yeah. But what does standing in solidarity actually mean when you as a company? The like values that you have, the practices that you maintain, all support this bigger, this bigger problem of systemic racism and in, yeah. and inequality. Yep. Yeah. And I think that was one of the biggest things that I was looking for when I was looking at brands and how they responded. Um, I like feel like we've talked about this so much about being like a, a like a responsible consumer. But more, now more than ever, there's just such, I feel like I need, like this is the time for people to really step up, hold the brands that they shop at accountable. And if they don't deliver, stop supporting these brands. Mm-hmm. Like when, like people don't, I think people don't realize that their dollar, their $1 from that one person goes such a long way. Yeah. And when you say to a brand, or when you continue to support, when you continue to support a brand that's very clearly not providing a clear and transparent approach to how they're going to be tackling systemic racism within their own company and their own community, and you continue to shop there, you're telling that brand what you're doing is enough because it's not going to have any tangible consequences for you. Yeah. and you're in doing that, you never hold brands accountable. But I think more and more now, especially as the fight has continued mm-hmm. um, and people are noticing it's not just like a this event happened and here's the protests right after it and then it dies down as people are realizing this is like a sustained, continued fight that people are not backing down from. Yeah. I think brands are realizing that they need to do more and they need to just be more be better like people are holding them up to be better
0: yeah I found that like I, I know we've had like a lot of conversations about this but something that I was really finding difficult to understand is that like I completely understand the pressure of needing to post within a timely manner I mean like in all honesty we felt it in the beginning yeah. Um the need to say something otherwise the optics of it you end up looking like you don't support the cause. Yeah. But I always find that if you're going to put something out there, it better be intentional and it better have a clear message to it. And you don't need to have the answer right there and then before you post. I think it's actually, it's better to say, we stand with this issue. We're looking into it or we're looking into what we can affect, we'll get back to you when we have an answer to be mm-hmm. a much more effective way of relaying that message than just to throw up, we support you,
1: mm-hmm. but have
0: no additional context to it. Totally.
1: A hundred percent.
0: And then another thing that we were seeing eventually, like what this like bland brand statement ended up turning into our brand mm-hmm. executives um, stepping yeah. down themselves.
1: Yeah. Which I know, I know people have always, like, people are always like, oh, like, that's so great. Like, that in itself is action. And by no, like, I, I'm not in the least bit discrediting that or disqualifying that. Like It yeah. is a really big step if your CEO or the founder of your company steps down, um, you know, because a lot of the time culture is built top down. So the mm-hmm. culture that's upheld through senior leadership trickles down all the way to like store employees totally a hundred percent agree with that. So having somebody of such a, such a high level step down is super impactful. But what I was really noticing was the amount of women that were stepping Mm -hmm. down. Like, sorry. Um, my, my first thought when I saw that was Leandra, Leandra Cohen, I think is her name from, um, man repeller. Exactly. And then it was Jen Gotch from Bando Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was somebody from Refinery29 whose name I can't remember. Yep. And then Reformation and then Reformation, um, Yale something. Mm -hmm. And all of the, all of the people that stepped down were women. And I'm not trying to say that women cannot be the perpetrators of anti-Black racism. Mm -hmm. If you look at the women that stepped down, three out of four of them were were white, were, Mm -hmm. you know white women who are in positions of leadership. But I think the the problem with having women stepping down and specifically not men is that it reinforces an equally harmful um and different stereotype that women don't make good leaders mm-hmm. by not seeing men stepping down. I know that's like a separate issue, but I think it ties all it all ties into this the idea of like systemic inequality, which is which is very much upheld by men and and if we look at the num the percentage of senior leadership positions that are taken by men versus women we know that it's so much higher like the percentage is, is skewed to so that it's higher in like it's higher it's a higher percentage of men than women yeah so it, it doesn't make sense to say that, oh, well, like, maybe that's – because I know somebody is going to make the argument, like, well, maybe that's because men aren't doing it. And, like, maybe, like, women shouldn't be mean to other women because I think people love to be like, I'm a woman and I support other women. And, like, okay, that's awesome. But that's not – not that that's not the problem, but that's not going to cause the same amount of, like, hurt as men in positions of power doing it. Yeah. So – yeah. No, it is true. Like there were a lot of CEOs that stepped down, but my problem with it was that the, mid- the like all of them that I knew of were women. My problem with it was,
0: was that they didn't, um, they didn't go into, like, I think for me it was, it still missed that piece of, I guess, like a call to action, mm. you know, and that idea of like, okay, you're stepping down and that's great. That's great initiative to what extent are you stepping down? Do you still have a seat at the table? Is, are you stepping down right away? Is this change happening immediately? Are you still getting paid? Like, yeah, I just had all these questions would, that came up in my mind every time I read that another CEO or senior executive was stepping down from a company. And it, it just was, it felt too much like a, like a Band-Aid solution. Also is yeah. your is your leave of absence a permanent one? Is it temporary until blows over? And this blo- like blows over and then the next social trend comes out in which your company gets called out for?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it like brings up a like a whole other point of like optical allyship. Yeah. And just the idea that a lot of, you know, brands and also people, this was kind of like really evident on social media especially were all about optical allyship and all of what optical allyship means is that you like you like the optics of it look like you're an ally like you are posting you are whatever but you never engage with anything in like a meaningful way like you just post stuff on there and you put stuff up on your social media and you're like okay that's that's like the extent of which I'm willing to like engage in a proper way with this information like I've put up my two cents the end. Thanks everyone for coming to my TED Talk about racism. Bye. Um, and I think that's like what a lot of brands did, and and that's what a lot of people are doing too. Which I think it's hard though, because I think everybody has a different way of like engaging with this information. Um, and by all means, the way that some people engage with it is by posting stuff and retweeting and resharing posts, and that's awesome, and that obviously helps in its own way. But this is something that you had said earlier. There's this pressure to like post quickly and post now. Um, and a lot of people didn't. And I think they're getting called out for it and being like silence is is just as bad as the violence itself. And it's like if you're being silent and you're not posting and you're not talking about it or engaging in, in it in a way that you feel is conducive, then by all means mm-hmm. – Yes, it is just as violent because you're not questioning what's going on and you're not questioning how you, because at the end of the day, every single person plays a part in like maintaining the system of like inequity. Yeah. But if you're just not posting, but you're engaging with it, in engaging with it with your family or with your friends or whatever the case may be, I think that is actually more meaningful than somebody who's just like, Mm -hmm. oh, saw this post, share, saw this post, share, saw this post, share. Because you're not actually questioning yourself and like what you think and what you're doing to hold these things
0: in power. We were talking about this and I remember one of the things that we said was that it's so easy to just throw up a post and share it or whatever. See something like an illustration that you like and think is appropriate for the situation. Press share and share it on your story, but not realizing that that's such a temporary thing. And then another thing that I remember us talking about is this idea of like the swiftness of doing that and the quickness, like just how easy it is to just share a post that's not even yours. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a fast way of relieving yourself from any guilt of like
1: exactly
0: I'm white, but I I am aware of this issue because i'm seeing it everywhere on social media.
1: Yeah, totally. Um i think you're raising a good point like it's all about like absolving yourself of any guilt. Yes. Um and you're like, "Oh, i'm just going to post something so that people know that like i'm doing it." Um i think that's like one of the biggest problems with social media is that like yeah. it kind of just becomes a war of like who cares the most about something. Yep. Yeah. And it's like that's actually not the point of and of caring about anything. Like if you care and you're doing what you think is a lot and it's like making significant change, then that's that's amazing. Like you can't hold everybody accountable. Yep. Not hold everybody accountable that, you know, if they aren't participating, because that's mm-hmm. different, but hold everybody accountable to act in the same way that you're doing it.
0: Yep. There's this amazing article that I read recently, and we'll we can link it in our in our podcast description. Um, and it's an article in Vogue and it's called We Need to Rethink Our Picks or It Didn't Happen approach to oh my God, yeah. activism. Yeah. And I just thought it was such an incredible article because she literally the author hits on all these different points. And one of the things that she said, she is a black person of color. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she said is that silence is complicity at times but for many black people silence is complicated and so one of the things that she was saying was that there are some people who always spoke on the issue of anti-black racism and racial injustice and even police brutality offline but because they weren't sharing their thoughts on it in that particular moment online, they were getting a lot of heat for it. So for example, Kendrick Lamar. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, Kendrick Lamar apparently was getting a lot of backlash for not saying anything, but she was saying that why, why do we place so much pressure on this idea of like, either I post or I don't post and I come across as if I don't care.
1: Yeah. I think because I think when you get into the territory of like, Famous people and people who have a really large following and yeah. who have a really wide platform, it does become it it you almost like forego the luxury of being like, "I care, but I'm not talking about this."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: only because when you say or don't say something, it's so impactful in how people in how people think, in how You lead people to think about something, how you are a leader yourself. Um, And, you know, you can definitely argue that not being, you know, choosing to stay silent on something Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and you care and you're doing your own thing and, you know, offline to show that you care. Um, But being silent online is a privilege in itself and it is because you can choose when and when not to engage with something yeah but but i guess when you are as big as you are like you 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 kind of don't have that privilege like unless unless you really don't care about something and, and the reason that I'm saying that is because when you are in a position of power, it's exactly that. You have so much power to influence the way people think, um, the media that people consume. People look up to you as like leaders in whatever community that you're in. And so when you don't talk about something or you don't, uh, you, he didn't like, I think people didn't even have to make a big, like a big statement or, you know, but just being like, hey, this is hard for me. I'm going to be engaging with this offline in my own way. I'm going to take a second. Mm -hmm. I know this is happening. It's really hard for me. You're not making a big statement, but it shows to people who follow you that you are tuned in with what's going on because otherwise it just comes across as really tone deaf. Like yeah, I was getting a lot of emails from this brand. Honestly, I don't even remember what brand it was. It was like something random, but I was getting so many emails from them. And like throughout this whole coronavirus time, throughout everything that's been happening with the Black Lives Matter movement and the anti-Black racism that everybody is calling out is that is present everywhere, they just kept sending me emails like nothing had happened. In fact, one of them is Uber. Uber Eats has been sending me emails nonstop. They're like, use this code and use this promo code. And did you know that we've made upgrades to our um, terms and conditions? I'm like, listen, Uber, I actually don't give a shit. Like, I don't care. First of all, I'm not even freaking using Uber because I'm home. Second of all, it's just tone deaf to come across as, as, as not saying something. Yeah. And, and, and not even acknowledging it. I think, well, I
0: think that's the biggest thing. I think it's, it's a lack of acknowledgement that's tone deaf and it's this like business as usual. It's kind of like, it's like imagining like a a house behind you is on fire yet you're still taking a walk as if it's exactly like you're just kind of ignoring the problem my thing is though with like okay let's say so let's like if we go back to kendrick lamar in this situation and the author yomi Adikoké who who wrote this article um Mm -hmm. about like the pics or it didn't happen approach to activism Mm -hmm. something she mentioned which really resonated with me is this idea of like he frequently and candidly discusses this within his music yeah by placing so much emphasis on his online presence it's almost as if we're not letting his work speak for itself totally and also which just there which is so fair but also I feel like recognizing that like Instagram is not always this is where it gets tricky because I have such a love-hate relationship with Instagram. I think it can be really fun. I think when it comes to social media, social media, social activism, it's a very strong way to spread a message just based on how accessible it is and how fast it is to send something. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But at the end of the day, I always feel like Instagram is an app for consumption and I don't feel... That activism is something that you should consume. It's something Mm -hmm. that you should engage with. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: I have a really hard time with this idea of like social media activism because it's to your point, like it's so easy. And we've even seen that with some people that we follow, they'll put like a post on they put, they'll put a black square on their feed. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Blackout Tuesday. They'll they'll black out their display picture for like a day. And then the next day, it's business as usual. Yeah, totally. But but not realizing how tone deaf it is to be like,
1: "And now we're back." Yeah. No, totally. I think the point. I think the specific, like, specifically using Kendrick Lamar and being like, "Oh, but you know, his music talks about and deals with these issues." Yeah, that's totally fair. And I think. I think maybe then he's not a good example for what I was saying because you're right. His music does engage with us all the time, and he does talk about it through his music, um, and that's amazing. And so, you know, you obviously know that this person who is a leader in their community in their own way and in their own space is is taking this offline in a more meaningful way. I think the problem becomes when people don't do that. I'm. I. Mm I can think of a few. Like. Like. Okay. Everybody listens to Drake, but he really didn't post anything about what was going on. Yeah. Never. You know. Said anything concrete. Um. And, it. The reason that it matters, I think, is because you really have such an opportunity there to make change. Mm -hmm. Like. You might care about it, and you might be like, of course, like all the people that like i know care about it and i talk about it with the people that i care about and like that's awesome but when you have so many people who are listening to you and like literally listening to every single word you say so intensely at any given time of day mm-hmm. you have the power to change how people think yeah and that is so powerful because why would you not use your channel or your platform then in like a positive way like i'm sure like that people that listen to drake you know, for the most part, I'm gonna give like I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say that this is something that they engage with. This is something that they like maybe take time take their own time to le- to learn about. Um, and you know, Drake saying something isn't going to really change what isn't gonna like enlighten them in any new way. But I'm sure he has maybe if we're being so 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 like conservative, he has five, six listeners who maybe are like, all lives matter. And Mm -hmm. if he literally took the time to be like, this is why the Black Lives Matter movement is so specific and so intentional and so, like, meaningful and impactful in what it's doing, those five people are going to think about what Drake is saying. Yeah. And it's going to have more power than, like, their teacher at school telling them or their their friend telling them because it's going to come from somebody that they really look up to. I guess this also kind of brings up the question, which I wonder about as well, is that do Black people need to be posting on social media about this? I mean, I think I just used Drake as an example because it was at the top of my head. Yeah. But, but I mean, there's like a million white people who have, you can argue, more power that aren't posting anything about this. Yeah. Um, I know, like talking about people who are right Ariana Grande really posted about this, but honestly, I don't really follow a lot of celebrities on social media so I don't know <laughs> I just I don't follow celebrities on social media I literally hate following celebrities on social media because I think that it's annoying and like their stuff is just stupid like I'm like what is, what are you posting like I don't know what this is I follow a lot of illustrators and cartoons that's literally what I follow okay so I don't know other. I know. I was going to, I was going to ask, I'm like, don't you follow like over a thousand people? Who do you follow?
0: Yeah. I. You have to be following celebrities. I literally follow every celebrity. I watch like five minutes of a like a scene and I'm like, okay.
1: I'm dead. No, I don't follow celebrities. I like, I do, but I think I never like engage with their content and I'm Mm. so much more engaged with like other people's Content who are like illustrators or who are like activists or like local brands, yeah. um, or like health and wellness brands that that like the algorithm of Instagram just only shows me their stuff. Yeah. So I don't even see other people's stuff being posted. Like I I don't I don't really engage with celebrities. I often. guess. I guess a good
0: example to talk about in terms of celebrities who have a huge platform who maybe didn't use it to the fullest extent, are the Kardashians.
1: But the Kardashians are just such a freaking bad example for anything, though. Like, they're honestly stupid.
0: I know, but and, – and I agree. My only thing, though, is that they are literally raising black kids. So if there was ever a time to be speaking about any issue on their social media, yeah. I like think would have been it. Uh, that's That is, like, to me, an example of maybe a celebrity who –
1: yeah, well, there, like, yeah, there there you go. That's, like, a perfect example. Um.
0: But so, I, to, sorry, you go. But, it, sorry, no, I was going to say that it does make me think, like, as we're talking about this, that, like, there is so much pressure on celebrities to post, but not, like, there is even, there's so much pressure. So, there's so much pressure to post within a timely manner. But then that pressure, you know, you end up coming out with like a premature response that maybe isn't fully cohesive of what you wanted to say, but you just had to say it anyway. And then your post gets criticized because it wasn't fully thought out. But then I'm like thinking as we're talking, I'm like, but why are we putting that same pressure on everyone equally? I don't think that we need to be putting that pressure on Black people, not saying that we are, but as like a system, society. yeah, as well, a society.
1: Well, like okay, a couple of things. I yeah. think that I think that if we take a different, but equally, you know, big event, this yeah. whole like coronavirus thing mm-hmm. literally took the world by storm. It has hit every single person like globally. Brands did not wait to put up a statement about what they're doing to keep their stores open, what they're doing for um, to make sure that you can still shop from them, what they're doing to make sure that you, you know, essentially that they are still going to be making money. They're yeah. still available for you to shop from. So don't worry, everyone. We're still going to be making money. Yeah. They had a phased approach. They said, this is what we're going to be doing. More to come as this evolves. And, you know, things rolled out. And I think the biggest thing with people is like we're not – nobody's expecting perfection like nobody's mm. expecting you to craft like the most beautiful i mean just kidding because ben and jerry's like legit did they did but those. like nobody is like looking for perfection they're looking for you to be like listen we've been complicit in this and we're gonna look at how to dismantle or start to dismantle institutionalized anti-black racism within our company we know we're part of the problem and we're, we're looking into it. This is like, we're going to take a second to look into it because we know we've also been complicit in this. And I think it's like, you're right. It's not on black people. Like I I a hundred, like I a hundred percent support that it's like part of why I'm, I'm no longer into this whole, like, let's listen to what people are saying. Like, let's listen. Like, what are we listening for? Like mm-hmm. what more can be told to us? Like what proof are we looking for? Or like what new experience are we looking for? We know that this happens. We've seen that this happens. We know anti-Black racism and institutionalized racism exists. What exactly are we hoping to get from listening? The onus is on us to learn. Mm -hmm. Like specifically the Black community and marginalized communities have spoken about what's going on. It's on us to be like, okay, you've been yelling. Like you've been shouting at the top of your lungs about everything that's been going on. If we're only waking up to this now, that's our problem. We're not going to sit here and be like, I'm ready to listen now while you retell your whole story. Yeah. You've said your story. It's now on us to learn about it when we missed it. If somehow we missed it, it's on us to learn about it and then create a better future and a better response and better systems in place. But I think I think the, there's also a time when your class privilege somewhat eclipses your, your race privilege. And mm-hmm. so I think that's why maybe when people mention like Kendrick Lamar and I mentioned Drake, it's not that I'm expecting them to speak up because they're black. I'm expecting them to speak up because of the immense platform that they have. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, and I expect the exact same of white celebrities as well. Yep. I literally cannot think of a white celebrity off the top of my head. For some reason, the only person I can think of is Cameron Diaz. And I straight up don't think, <laughs> I don't know why. And I don't think she posted anything. I'm like, whatevs, Cameron Diaz, you do you, I guess. Like, like, I don't know. I don't know her. Like, I don't. <laughs> don't know her personally. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know her personally. I don't know um, – who is she? Who I is don't know character? her. Um, I don't know her. But what I also meant <laughs> is, like, I have no, like, I don't care for her. But, like, yeah. people – like, I listen to Ariana Grande, for example, and I know she's been really vocal about it. And I know that, you know, people can argue, well, she also does some mm. – she does, like, modern-day blackface or brownface, yeah. which is, like – you literally appropriate black and brown culture. Yes, I was just going to say. You, um, and you, like, tan yourself to the point where you're literally a different – you look like you have a the skin color ways. of a different race. um, But you enjoy – you do all of those things under the umbrella of whiteness and, like, enjoying the privileges of being white. Yeah. Actually, now that we're talking about this, somebody who is white and a celebrity who I think did an amazing job – is selena gomez yes i do really like what she did she literally gave her platform which is humongous at one point she was the most followed person on instagram yeah she gave her platform for i think like six weeks and every day she would give it to a different person a a different racialized person who is in a position of power to talk about anti-black racism institutionalized racism, intersectionality. And I thought that was really using your platform in a really good way. Yep. I agree. I think that is really somebody who used their their position of power to, to be like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to pretend to be the person who knows about this, but here are people that do. Yep. Which also goes back to, you know, how every day, like, people are using their platform. Like, I know that you said social media – is all about consuming and activism is something that you should engage in, mm-hmm. but I think you engage in things that you consume and you engage in things by consuming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And one of the biggest things that I wish people did is when they share media, share it. Like, for example, people started talking about anti black racism after George Floyd was murdered, yeah. And a lot of the time that they would post articles. By people who are white, people who had written about racism and they are white. And it's it's just not as impactful mm-hmm. as amplifying voices of people who are black. And that's like that's what I wish people who are just like so quick to like post stuff would do and just take a second to be like, okay, I'm gonna take a step back. And what what perspective and what point am I actually sharing? Yep. And I had said this um so I started following this, um, I started following this fitness person
0: mm-hmm.
1: on Instagram and like we just weirdly had a lot in common and like we like just started talking like just through social media because I was like, oh my god, like you like went to Miguel's same, like you did this, like me too. Whatever. She, when this whole thing happened, she's like, this, this is like what I'm reading. And it was all of these articles that white people had written and posted and been like, share my article about anti-black racism. And I reached out to her and I I was like very polite, but I was just like, hey, you know, in learning how to engage with these things, one of the things you could do is start by engaging with specifically the, the opinion and the voices of black people when mm-hmm. you are talking about Black Lives Matter. And it just, I think that's something that people don't get. They're like, what do you mean? Like, not like silencing white voices is is reverse racism and it's like first of all I literally saw somebody post that and I was like well no it's not but also if you are going to I don't know if you are going to a fitness convention and the keynote speaker of this fitness convention is the person who invented the meat at McDonald's they obviously aren't going to know a lot about the fitness world. Wouldn't you be like, hey, this is a fitness convention. What are you doing here? Or Mm -hmm. like if you are at a convention about like healthy eating and the CEO of McDonald's is like, I like really am here to talk to you about healthy eating. You're going to be like, what? Like you don't know about healthy eating, Mm -hmm. which is why it just doesn't make sense to me when people are like, oh my God, you're not going to read this article because it's by a white person? That's reverse racism. It's like, no, it's not. (laughs) Like, I'm not, like, you cannot tell me that this white person knows as intimately the nuanced experience of a black person in, I mean, in Canada or North America or wherever it may be.
0: I think, but you know what it is? I think people are now facing this idea of what it actually means to recognize that you have a bias and it's a bias in terms of the media that you choose to consume as well I remember when um so I've been getting really into politics this year and I've been very very closely watching the 2020 elections in the states Mm -hmm. and I listened to this podcast called Pod Save America and they do a really good job at always reminding people to just be aware of the type of media that you consume because some of it can be biased so we know that like fox news is really biased towards the right Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. questioning the bias of your own side and so things like cnn i actually Mm -hmm. stopped watching or reading because they 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 tend to be extremely biased yeah it's this idea of like I am too in my bias. Like I have I have blinders on and I yeah. can't see yeah. or recognize how this would be a biased point of view. It's kind of like back when um actually it was like the day before the George Floyd was killed. Mm-hmm. Um Chris Cooper, the, the yeah. gentleman who was in New York and was bird watching. Yeah. I remember reading a an article. Um I can't remember what the article was called, but it was highlighting his like immense like success in his life and then it was like highlighting how he was a Harvard graduate. And yes. I read that article being like, "Wow, this guy is incredible." Mm-hmm. And then immediately after, I read an article that said you don't need a Harvard degree to be a black man watching birds in New York City. And that switch in perspective gave mm-hmm. me so much because it, like, I didn't even realize as I was reading how heavily it was focusing on his accomplishments. But you don't yeah. need a series of accomplishments to, to be watching birds.
1: And also, you don't need a series of accomplishments to have the right to live.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like,
1: exactly. Or, or, like, you know, like, I think a lot of the time when people, you know, when the media specifically talks about racialized people that have died at the hands of, system, like, systemic violence, they're always like, well, this person was a Harvard graduate. This person was great in his community. He taught at his whatever church mosque temple he was or she was a great leader she was so loving he was so great blah 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 and it's like that's all amazing about this person but these are not prerequisites for why this person shouldn't have been killed Mm but it's like the same thing too when people um talk about when women have been sexually assaulted and they're like Mm -hmm. she was a woman like just kidding they're like she was a a daughter she was a sister she was a mother she was a friend and it's like those are all amazing things but she was also just a woman and that is enough like that that in itself like I don't need a whole host of like prerequisites of what this person was and therefore she she was not like it was not okay that she was raped or that they were raped yeah or that you know the person this person got the cops called on them while they were bird watching it's like those those are all not like, I don't need that information. You don't need a checklist before. I like, don't need oh. a checklist. Like, oh, okay, you're black. Okay, are you a Harvard graduate? Check. Are you a kind person? Check. Do you volunteer at your church? Check. Okay. These Can three you things... send me your
0: resume and a cover letter as to why I shouldn't call
1: the cops? Right now, please. And then I will let you, I will allow you to continue to birdwatch. Or live your life. Or live, or just basically live your life and not get killed. Um, but- also, I think one of the other things that we talked about, the whole idea of like this pics or it didn't happen. Another big thing that I find really problematic is when people keep resharing really violent videos. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it honestly just makes me so uncomfortable because it, I feel like it re-traumatizes people, specifically people who obviously knew that person, um, they have to watch that person that they know get killed, but also just for anybody to watch somebody get killed in such a violent manner is so yeah. like, I don't, like, I don't need to see that to believe that that's what's happened. Like, yeah. I don't, I hate when I hate, I really, really don't like when people share the videos of that because I'm like, what, what point, like, I guess, I guess you could say like, I'm trying to illustrate how violent it was. Which I guess is fair too, but then it just goes back to like a violent death is certainly worse than a nonviolent death, but a death is a death and that is bad enough in and of itself. I couldn't
0: um, bring myself to watch the video. No, me neither. Um, But I remember reading something and I thought it was really interesting and it said that like why do we need a violent video to understand the importance of this and to understand that we need to react exactly and it's it's true like and it goes back to what you were saying about this idea of like we should not be at the point of just listening like they've said enough why does it have to get to this point where we're like okay yes now I'm ready to engage yeah here's here's a guide on white privilege let me tell you yeah like, it just if I think what has been like really difficult with with trying to follow along with um like follow along with the story, but also try and be mindful of what I'm consuming, is this idea of, like, you can't teach everybody what etiquette means on social media. Mm -hmm. And social media is such a wide space. And so things like sharing traumatic videos or um, this, like, just little nuances that when when they did Blackout Tuesday and they were using Black Lives Matter as the hashtag and then it ended up flooding the 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 Black Lives Matter hashtag. Just mm. things like this, where I was like, maybe it's better if you just take a moment and question what it is you're putting out into the digital world before exactly. You maybe we don't need to be posting things within a millisecond. Just to- yeah that we are supportive of the cause, maybe we can take a minute and just question, what what am I sharing? Who created this? What is the message I'm trying to relay? And what is my take on the issue? It's also really easy to just compile a list of things that you want to share and not share any of your own words. But I know that when we were creating Mm
1: -hmm.
0: our posts for this, we were super intentional in in what we wanted to say Mm -hmm. and where Mm -hmm. what the message that we wanted to relay as well. So whether it was like um, directing people to the, to specific resources within the black community or Mm -hmm. how to take the conversation offline by using prompting questions to self-reflect on. Yeah. If you aren't posting something with intention, why are you posting it?
1: Exactly. No, exactly. If you're not posting something with intention, why, Are you posting it? And then what's the point of posting it? Yes. And and well, what is so different
0: about what you're posting than what the next person is posting? Like, I'm going to be very honest. Um, Please, please. please, please, please. I like you just imagine like you're just tapping through Instagram stories. Mm -hmm. Um, You see an illustration you haven't seen before. Let's just say this guy to white privilege which ironically has been around since 2019.
1: Yes. but And the reason
0: we know this is because we've bookmarked it.
1: Yeah, we literally bookmarked it forever ago to post it. And now everyone is like, hi, everybody, look at this great design.
0: Yes. The more I see it, the less I'm actually going to engage with it. And that's not to say we should be like – going into the depths of Instagram and only posting things that have never been posted before. But it's, what is your contribution to the conversation? Mm -hmm. If you are just reposting something that a million other people have reposted, and I'm probably just going to like glaze over.
1: Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And I think obviously not everyone is going to create their own media and that's completely okay. But, Mm -hmm. and you know, even just resharing something is completely okay. But I think it's very obvious when somebody is just being like being very lazy about it and they're like oh okay I've seen this everywhere okay yes post oh okay like yeah I've seen this all over like post it's like where and how are you highlighting that this is something that you actually engage with yourself yeah because I think that's what's most meaningful
0: In the beginning of the episode, we were talking about how brands have a responsibility to speak out, but also speak out in a way that is um, is meaningful and has an actual call to action. But looking back at what we've talked about, I think everybody has a responsibility, whether you're a brand, whether you're someone who has no followers, or whether you're someone who has a huge platform. Mm-hmm. And it's what you say and also how you practice what you say. That mm-hmm. really matters, and I think even as us, we consider ourselves a brand, and we, how we uh, hold ourselves accountable is so important in something like this because yes, it, it just it goes back to practice what you preach. Yeah,
1: a hundred percent. And I think that is maybe one of the biggest things is a lot of people now, as as time passes from the initial event that like the initial, I don't want to say event, but the initial happening that was George Floyd's murder. Mm -hmm. As time passes, I think more and more people are becoming complacent with how they engage, with what they consume and what they engage with. um, And they're kind of going back to like what they want to post. I think that's okay. As long as, you know, at the end of the day, you're still doing the the difficult work, whether it's with yourself or whether it's with like the communities that you're a part of, because that's where meaningful change happens. So it's exactly what you said, like practice what you preach, not just through sharing a post on social media, but in your everyday life offline, because that's where the most impactful change comes from.